So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance MK. I'm Mr. O, and today, Ms. H and I will be discussing the premiere of 90 Day Fiance Season 9. In this episode, we meet four of our new couples. A gently OCD Bilal has a prank planned for Shida. Balloon Lady Kara is off to DR to help tequila shot Guillermo. Space punk rapper Jabri tries to sell his girl Miona on the South Dakota lifestyle. And Kobe and Emily are finally ba- almost back together after a year and a half of single parenting. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dances, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. And if you're also watching Love After Lockup, we're covering that on our other podcast, Love After Lockup MK. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How is, oh, I keep forgetting you all get Monday off. So tomorrow is your first day back. Tomorrow is my first day back. Yeah. So oh, you're so lucky. Not looking forward to it, but you know, we did get a whole new set of people here. So I was looking forward to a new season here. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, what was your first overall impression of all the couples? <sighs> I, I I mean, I, they definitely seems like an improvement in terms of just personalities mostly over the last season we just had of it before the 90 days season. Right. I definitely got the impression that this is another influencer type group. And so with that comes a little bit more like, I don't know, like they care more about their appearances and general attractiveness and they're not They're conscious about how they're coming across on the screen too. And uh, the other thing I would say too is the other thing I noticed as well is that um, at least the ones we met so far, nobody has been like, oh, I couldn't find anybody in America, so I went on <laughs> Filipino date and uh, like you know, yeah, actually like met true. each other organically. The other thing that I noticed about this group is I felt that all of them were pretty evenly matched. So even though we had like some kind of more like maybe I personally wouldn't have been into them, I felt like their partner seemed like a good fit for them, right? Like that's the kind of person I picture that kind of person to be with. Yeah, I could see that. Yes, there wasn't any – yeah, let's say George and Visa. Yeah, like – Right, right. Like, uh, oh, are you in it for the visa? Are you in it for the money? Are you in it, you know, just to get out of your country? Well, sometimes some of those mismatched ones is just like, um, no, you're we're pretty confident you're in it for the money. So there's nothing that came across as transactional, even though it seemed that one of the most suspicious cast members we had was actually a cast member. Because typically it's the family of a cast member that's like, oh, they're in it for the money. But we had Bilal and Shada. Yes. Yeah. So let's let's start with Bilal and Shada. So we first meet Bilal who is 42 and from Kansas City, getting dressed up in what he describes as his hood bougie style, which he says is like listening to Tupac while driving to Whole Foods. And that's just – everybody listens to Tupac Bilal. That's not a thing. Okay. Right. So also he describes himself as mildly OCD. And we watch him repeatedly pl- fluff his pillows and reset this glass chess set that he has sitting on the coffee table, which I'm pretty sure production just kind of kept moving chess pieces just so he would come back in. Oh, and fix sure. Them. It's like, is that a half done game? Like, why do you have to move it? Shouldn't it just always be in that position? Exactly. Right. So he outwardly looks pretty successful and he attributes much of his, much of his success to his Muslim faith. He is a real estate investor and agent. And today he's showing a house to his a very important client. His ex-wife, um, Shahida, with whom he maintains a good, friendly relationship. They are married for 10 years and they have a 16-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son. They've been divorced for seven years, but recently he's fallen for Shida, a 37-year-old in- um, yoga instructor from Trinidad. They met when she slid into his DMs through mutual friends on social media. He initially resisted the relationship because her name was way too close to his ex's name and it just brought up bad, bad feelings. <laughs> but the chemistry was good enough that he gave in. He tells us that he was, re- he was really taken in by her ambition and drive, which as we discussed, being able to identify something you like about somebody is already put you on top level in this show. Right. So he made a trip to Trinidad to see her, which, he clearly, which clearly went really well. 
They spent seven days together before making it official and getting engaged at the end of the trip. But then COVID happened and they haven't been able to physically see each other in the two years since. Back at the show house, Bilal drops on Shahida that Shida is coming into town this weekend. And she's primarily worried what's going to happen if Shida, you know, doesn't live up to his expectations and standards of tidiness and cleanliness. Oh, God. So he really just wants to run it past his ex-wife that this is all going to be cool since she'll be at the house and so will the kids and all that. So he tells us they had already had their um, spiritual union. They just have to get legally married in the United States. Another concern that she has is that he flexes a lot of his material things on Facebook and maybe she really is in it for the money. Mm. Uh-huh. But he tells her that he's kept some of the things like his house from her this whole time to make sure she is about him and not about the stuff. So then they kind of also have a quick prenup conversation, which might come back later. So the next people that have to hear about this whole situation are Bilal's children. He shares joint custody with them and they are spending time at a lake fishing today, which they do pretty often. So they know all about Shida and they're, and that they were trying to get him here, get her here, but they don't know yet that she has a ticket and she's going to be here this week. So uh, Zaina and Yusuf are the kids' names and they're kind of hard to read because they're teenagers and they're just like, yeah. oh, it's fine, I guess, sure. And of course, Bilal is worried because getting along with his kids is a prerequisite for any kind of relationship. So the next day, he finds a spot on the floor to video chat, and Shida is packing. So it looks like the reason that he's on the floor, it was really weird that he passed all these seats, is because <laughs> he wanted to have the background on his a video chat that's just a plain white wall so that she can't see anything in his house. So weird. Um, yeah. So we talk about how she'll be stepping right into the bonus mom role, which is scary for her because she's not even a real mom. And which transitions us into hearing about where they stand with kids. His ideal mate would already have children, but Shida doesn't and really wants to have some of her own. Bilal hasn't promised her anything, but he's really not sure that he wants any more kids. So then it's the day that Shida is coming into town and Bilal is getting the place ready for her. His sister Nefertari is in from Atlanta to give him a hand and to meet Shida. So he sets out this whole gift basket and writes her name in rose petals on the bed. And they talk through eh, most of the standard concerns we see on the show. So we find out in this conversation that Shida has been engaged twice and both times she broke it off, but he didn't want to pry too much to figure out uh, why that happened. So, but it's weird because after taking all this time to set everything up, we find out that she's not actually coming to this house tonight <laughs> because instead he's doing this weird test thing. They're going to spend the night in his old hood house where he grew up and he says it's a prank, but also... It's a test to see if she'll stick with him if he's in a crappy house. Yeah, stupid. So Nefertari hopes she takes it in good spirits, but production seems to think that eh, this whole thing might backfire. So Shida has told him that she's willing to live in a tent as long as it's with him, and we he wants to find out if that's bullshit. So I just I'm going to start with that stupid house thing. What what if, what's what's she going to think about this house? I don't know. I mean, we kind of saw in the preview that she doesn't have the greatest reaction to it. But I mean, she didn't say we have to get a whole new house in the preview. It was more so like, I can't live like this. We need to fix it up, which I think is a reasonable request. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, that was the thing. If I, I would be concerned about that house too, but not because it's small or it's old, but it's because right. why are there things that are clearly wrong with it that you haven't fixed? I don't understand. Right. Like this door is falling off the hinges. Fix it. Why haven't right. you fixed it? <laughs> You're just okay with like living like this. Um, I think his whole like uh, selling it to us as a test slash prank is just ridiculous though. Yeah. Because it's very clear that it's meant to be a test. But then I think he realizes how bad that sounds. So he's trying to make it more light Fair. by saying, oh, like, I'm such a prankster. This is just another one of my pranks. And it's like, no, it's not a prank. You actually want to know what her real reaction is to this. Yeah, I don't. I, well, first of all, I don't, I'm not a prank person at all. So I don't right, get I'm it. Not I, I never get it because I was like, what's funny about that? And it's like. It's not. It's not funny. Hurt? Like, I don't understand. I tricked them. They thought something they I lied to them and that's what's funny. I don't I never understand what's supposed to be funny about pranks. No. Like never. I, well, something like this, because okay, like if it really was if it truly was intended to be a prank, I think an appropriate reaction would be for her to laugh in his face and be like, haha, really, where do you live? 
right? Yes. But then we all know because it's not really a prank. It's a test that mm-hmm. he'd be like, oh, she didn't like pass the test. She thought that this wasn't the real place. She thought I had money and she just assumed and blah, blah, blah. So to me, it's not a prank because, you know, she can't just laugh it off. She can't laugh her way out of this situation. I guess I don't get why he's testing her. If he, He's like – they haven't had conversations about money. He hasn't mm-hmm. sent her any money. Like right. she hasn't asked for money yet, well, but she's coming already. Well, we haven't – not that we know of. I was going to say. Well, we'll see because I feel like a lot of these couples just in general, like at some point someone sent money. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll see that. And I guess if she had asked for money or he sent money before, then that would put something. Because what what is he basing it on that he thinks she might be after the money if he's like, well, I don't know. I never told her about the money. And how much money is it really? Like, I don't know. He seems to be doing okay for himself, but it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of Mercedes in my teacher parking lot. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I just I think he belongs to a subset of the population that just is like has a hard time believing someone loves him for him. You yes. know? And okay. so it's like they do have to put these tests because I actually have a couple single guy friends that I don't I don't know if they're single now, but I remember like, you know, when they're single and dating, they would like put all these weird tests. Like, oh, I took her to this, like, you know, whatever kind of restaurant, like at this dive bar, you know, for drinks, just to, you know, it's like this trashy place only dudes want to go to just to see if she's a down girl. It's just like, why are you putting her through these tests? Why? Why? Right, just it, and it's okay. It's okay to like different things. It's okay to be different things. Just, I don't. I don't get it either. Like, no. I, I. I mean, I do get that in some in some states. You know, there's there's some things about me that are hard to live with. But you're gonna get that test naturally. That's gonna come. Like, I yeah. don't have to like set up a huge like like uh you know prank or whatever to figure out like, ooh, are you gonna be able to deal with X Y Z that a lot of people find difficult? No, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Right. Uh, But testing aside, I do think that they seem like a good match on paper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they both seem, you know, equally devout in their faith. Like, and it does seem that their faith is important to both of them. Right. Um, They have an equal level of attraction. Although I did think it was interesting. Maybe I'm taking it a little personally how Bilal's sister is kind of like, she's 37, never been married. I don't trust her. <laughs> something must be wrong with this woman. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, it's normal-ish, I guess. Depending. Oh, well, okay. I shouldn't say it's the norm, but I think there is a growing trend of people getting married much later, and so it's not that you can't trust people that have never been married, and just because you've been engaged, like even twice, to me. I don't, but once again, I think maybe I'm looking at it from like my personal experiences. Like I've been engaged before, but I was so young that it was like almost ridiculous. Like it's almost like it could have been a fake wedding, you know? It's like, but I say that, but I was engaged the same time you were and actually got married. <laughs> I actually got married. I stayed married for like 10 years. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But no, it, it, it was. Yes and no, but I I do think yes, people do things later. And it's not like, oh, what she what has she been doing all this time, right? Yeah. Because I don't know if they're concerned about like promiscuity or anything like that. But if you've been mm-hmm. engaged twice, you know, I could see that. You know, you kind of did it, got started late, you know, got engaged when you were like in your late twenties, and then got engaged again in your mid thirties. Like, yeah. not then you're thirty seven, and you have and you're not married yet, and you've never been married. It's not ridiculous, right? Especially in that. We've seen that. She's also from a different part of the world, right? She's mm-hmm. she's in the Caribbean and that's always yes. – we've seen a lot of people from the Caribbean and they're always just way more like, what's the rush, man? Just whatever. <laughs> Let's just do it. Just yeah. do your thing. Yeah. Speaking of, they are spiritually married, which we don't have the best impression of given Love After Lockup's Indian Harry. But this seems a little bit more official than someone just declaring that they are spiritually married. It seemed like they had a ceremony. Yes. This seems like there was some sort of religious rite that went along with it, not just being like, my psychic said that we were married now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this is what I'm confused about. To me, especially if you're religious, 
I think the ceremony, the unofficial ceremony, it would be more meaningful to me than a legal, you know, marriage. And I think it's they're treating it like the opposite. Like, oh, well, we just kind of had to do this religious ceremony just so she could, like, come out here and live with me and we wouldn't be, like, living in sin. But we'll still think about if we're going to get married. We have yeah. 90 days to decide. You still have you, – they still pulled out that you have 90 days to decide thing again on this one. And it's like, yeah. do they, though? Because I feel like they already did the – Thing because yes, in a, you know a marriage here when people get married in the Catholic Church like I did, it's very much the the state legal thing is very much an afterthought. It was like right. oh yeah, guy who did our marriage, uh, you also signed this paper for the state, right? Like we have that too. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it just seems weird to me that this was the one couple that we heard about this entire episode that was like we have ninety days to decide. No, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Jabri also had ninety days to decide. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to him soon enough. Yeah. Um, let's uh, move on to a couple that seems to already be in it for the long haul, whether they want to or not. Yeah, and that's Emily and Kobe. Yeah, pretty stuck with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we meet Emily, 29 years old, from Salina, Kansas. Emily tells uh, tells us about Salina being a one-horse town, which is why she was considered a wild child in college. She just did whatever she wanted to do, including going to Thailand for a month and then going to live in China. Uh, when she was in China, she met Kobe, a 34-year-old international underwear model from Cameroon. Emily tells us how she happened to meet the only black guy in China at the club, and she slept with him the first night that they met. It ends up that he ended up being a genuinely nice guy, and they were inseparable afterwards. He ended up proposing to her randomly one night, and then, four weeks later, Emily starts getting symptoms like she was pregnant. Emily took, like, five tests and was totally shocked. Meanwhile, when Kobe was given the news, he was completely ecstatic. They originally applied for a visitor visa while Emily went back to the U.S. Uh, to live with her parents. Emily's mom was upset that Emily came back with a very expensive souvenir, as they've referred to the child as that. Mm -hmm. uh, Emily defends Kobe to her mom while her mom is worried about Emily's track record of dating. That seems to include two exes that are incarcerated. Uh, a week before the baby was due, Kobe was actually denied the visitor visa, so Emily had to give birth without him there. After the baby was born, they filed for the K-1 visa, and it's been two years since Emily has seen Kobe. Coben, their son, is 17 months old now, and Emily is sad that Coben is missing out on getting to know his dad. Emily and Kobe video chat with an antsy Coben, and Kobe asks if Emily will cry when she sees him. Emily is nervous because she thinks she looks completely different now, and she's not a partier like she used to be. Later, Emily is having family dinner with her parents, Coben, and her sister Madeline, who all live in the same house. They discuss the changes uh, that will happen with Kobe being there. Emily's dad, David, isn't sure if Kobe is a good guy, and he also points he also points out that Emily doesn't really have the best track record. Lisa, her mom, points out that if they uh, just, you know, didn't have a child, would they still be together? Emily doesn't have to get married just because they have a kid. Everyone hopes it will work out, and they just want her to be careful. They point out the obvious that there aren't a lot of black people in Salina, so Kobe might feel out of place. It also ends up that Kobe hasn't been able to work since COVID, uh, but he did make a weird investment in some kind of cafe that we heard briefly about. Mm -hmm. So dad is like, okay, so I'm going to be supporting everyone in this house? Well, don't get pregnant. That was his only ask. <laughs> Emily insists that she has birth control, but her mom also says, you know, it's only helpful mm, if you take it. It doesn't work if it's in the medicine cabinet and <laughs> right. you don't take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for work, Emily has been working as a nanny, but she doesn't make much. So living with her parents right now is really the only uh, financial thing that they can afford. All right. So uh, what do you think is their storyline going to be? Um, I mean, I think their storyline is going to be he is coming into a family that already has a set of routines. She already knows how mm -hmm. to deal with the kid and he's going to have to want to do – he's going to want to do things his own way and he, that he hasn't learned yet. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it's going to be a lot of, no, you don't know how to raise your own kid and a lot of conflict over that. 
Yeah, I agree with that because if Emily's being a nanny, she's not there all day. So all of a sudden, Coben has got to come in and be primary caretaker. And I mean, I'm sure he wants to be at this point because he's missed out so much that, you know, he's going to want time to bond with his child and really get to know his child. But at the same time, that's a lot to put on someone that they're kind of thrown into this full-time caretaker right. duty. And it's, it's it's tricky to come in at 17 months like that. Like it's, yeah. it's definitely like – I mean it's exhausting when they're younger but it's different and you're learning it at the same time and you're figuring thing out, things out together. Whereas yeah. I just feel like it's going to be a lot of you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And it's like, no, I have to – let me figure out my own way and then, the, you know, and people butt heads because it's incredibly stressful to raise a child. Um, and and didn't have to come and live with a lot of people. Yeah, they definitely have a lot going on because they also pointed out that uh, we didn't really get to see much of the house, but it sounds like they only have one bathroom between the five adults that are going to be living there. Jeez. Oh, well, I, actually, five people, right? No, no, five adults. She, her sister lives there too. And how old? How old is she again? Uh, she is Emily? twenty-nine, and he oh, is thirty-four. My God. I would have. Very, I would have a very tough time supporting my 29 year old daughter. Well, and her family. It's not even just her. Just, well, I mean, I'm already, before we even get to her getting pregnant 17 months ago, mm -hmm. right? I have a lot of trouble sitting in my house, working my ass off and paying my bills to have you spend your money instead of getting a place to live and living on your own, going to China, going to Thailand, going to that. Like, no, 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 no. I don't get to go to Thailand. <laughs> And I'm paying yeah. for you to have a place. You don't get to go to Thailand either. Oh, goodness. Well, you know, it's all balanced out because it seems like she is living a very uh, different life. Uh, Mother M, yeah. you know, so she he doesn't know. Uh, right. Kobe doesn't like, know. And I'm, I'm, all for, yeah, I'm, all for, I'm all for people who, you know, want to travel and stuff like that. But you better have your shit taken care of first. Is yeah. All I'm saying. Well, I kind of wonder a little bit. She has it as a concern of hers. And I actually am concerned too, but she's not wrong in that Kobe only knows her kind of free-spirited side, right? right? And so you can tell already she seemed like a good mom and, you know, she wasn't letting her kid like do whatever. Um, if you're going to – well, at least production didn't highlight her kid <laughs> doing whatever. Sure. So, <laughs> so it's one of those things where – you know, she's probably doing the things that she should be doing to create structure, at least in this kid's life. And so that's very different than this free spirited party girl. And so it's like uh, you don't want to go out and go dancing and like hang out and leave the kid with your parents. You know, oh, I can yeah. see yeah, that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that too. Because everybody – that's a – big period of change for everybody when they mm -hmm. have a kid, right? You, yeah. you, you change, you, your priorities change. And especially when it's an unexpected kid, right? Yeah. That you weren't like, you know, it's, I feel like you probably don't change as much when you were somebody who like had that as a life goal and you've been trying and planning for a few years to make it happen. And then it finally happens. You're kind of in that space already. Mm -hmm. But when it's a surprise like this, you have to get in that space really fast. Yeah. <laughs> and like, transition your life really fast to that and that's so she probably is going to be a different person and she does and i see where she's worried about it too she does look significantly different right? she does i was okay so it was like a while a couple segments i want to say until they started talking about the kid and so yeah. i was kind of thinking like oh that's her she looks so different and i could tell it was a weight thing like she mm -hmm. clear, clearly skinnier she says more fit uh, fit as she's ever been in her life. Um, and yeah, it definitely changed. But it was also interesting to me because I could still tell it was her look. They had a bunch of like her kid pictures, right? So when she was like 10 years old and stuff like that, it was like very much looked like her. Mm -hmm. But her, you know, a young adult pictures, I didn't think looked like her. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 it, it seems like she just had this like, you know, peak time of like, I worked out all the time and I was always yeah. on a diet and just like, and so that was like, like her, her, that's what they met though. Like, mm -hmm. and that's, that's the kind of her that, 
You put one. He's like a model, which means he probably has, you know. Okay, that also was funny to me. Like, you know, saying he's an international, you know, underwear model. Now, granted, he hasn't had work in a couple years, as they said, mm-hmm. for COVID. So who knows? Maybe he let himself go. But just looking at what we saw, I was like, seriously, <laughs> that guy was an underwear model? Like, with what? Like, what are we selling here? Like, I don't, I don't understand. It wasn't – he didn't have a cut six-pack and uh, – no. I don't know. Did we see him with his shirt off? I don't even know. Like, uh, I don't know. Kind of. Not really with his shirt off, but he was wearing a tank top when he was like, you know, just hanging out because – I don't know. Hot. Maybe maybe people look for different things in – maybe maybe he's the guy in like the Sears ad, like the uh, the dad bod in the Sears ad trying to sell your Land's End underwear. I don't know what's going on Oh, there. my goodness. Is that <laughs> an international <laughs> thing though? Well, um, the international thing totally struck me as something like – he took pictures in Cameroon and in Ghana, and that means international. Like, yeah, yeah I kind of saw it like, that way too. Two, two different countries. That's international. Yeah, but also it's funny to me that people call each other like underwear models. Like that seems like such a very specific – very like, specific are you selling model. underwear? You know, it strikes me as another um, reference uh, from Teen Mom, one of the – uh, girls in it janelle dated nate who was an underwear model and i remember thinking like what the heck she met this dude off of tinder like has he been in anything significant ever i don't think he at has and so it's just something you can give yourself that title yeah but the uh, yeah i feel, feel like the people who are in like the calvin klein underwear ads are like they get other modeling work too right like, they're just models they're not underwear models there's yeah. models yeah yeah, maybe I'll just model my underwear on an Instagram post and there, boom, I'm an underwear model. Oh, that, that that's a whole other thing now that Instagram is a thing that people just like, I took a picture of my – I wore a glove on Instagram. I'm a hand model. I just take pictures of my hand in different gloves. That makes me a hand model. So, oh, I can do that. I could be a foot model then. I always post pictures of my shoes. I know. I've seen them. <laughs> So I'll just be a foot model. Yeah, then. yeah. You could just. You oh wait, could just, you, I mean, I'm gonna make that claim right now. Miss yes. H, foot model, international foot model, because some of those pictures were taken outside of this country. There you go, international foot model. There you go, perfect. <laughs> All right, let's move on to who? Who Jabri? Jabri's oh, a, a kind of something. Yeah. So, uh, so they start with him. The production tries really, really hard to establish his out-of-the-box bona fides. He's 28 and from Rapid City, South Dakota. He has a lot of tattoos. He dresses in bright colors. He dyes his hair weird colors too. And he says it might it might fit in some places, but it's way outside the norm in South Dakota. Oh, he is an ins- aspiring musician who's the front man for a gl- group called Black Serbs. And they make what he calls space punk music, which is a mix <laughs> of punk rock with electronic hip-hop. It was something. It was almost music. But anyway, so <laughs> really? Black Serbs. Really? I liked it. No, I, I didn't. You know, no, I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I liked it. was okay it. when it, like, he put all the production behind it. But when he just started off with his lyrics, I was like, those are Oh, I did not, not like good. his rapping randomly. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the actual production, like the music part. Eh, it was, it was meh. I was mostly thinking about his rapping. Anyway, space punk music. Anyway, it was the brainchild of him and his Serbian friend David, who changed who changed Jabri's life by taking him to Serbia. It was his first trip out of the U.S. and he loved the place. He's been back like ten times, and mostly it seems like to tour with his band. So one time there, he met Miona, a twenty-three-year-old makeup artist from Nice. He calls her a fireball with a bit of a temper, but he fell for her right away. They got engaged in Thailand and dressed, as he describes it, a fly ketchup and mustard because he had a red suit and she had a yellow <laughs> dress. So Jabri has been um, been all over the place, you know, and ended up living in L.A. with the band. But with COVID happening, the band hasn't been able to perform and they haven't been able to make money. So uh, also he's been spending a lot of his money on travel and his visa. And now he's back in South Dakota living with his folks. So then we meet what he describes his no-nonsense mother Mahala and his father, Brian. Miona's K-1 has been approved, and she's getting there within a week um, where she'll be staying in this full household again. So Jabri thinks that South Dakota is a good starting point for life in the U.S., but eh, she's less than excited to live in a pretty boring place where there aren't very many people of color. He himself has struggled where he came from, but it does feel like home now. 
So Mahala is nervous about the whole situation since, at least on social media, it pretty much seems like she wants to be somewhere else. And she's going to pressure him to move before they really have the financial stability to do that. So Jabri is just kind of like, don't worry about me. I'm a hustler. I can sell salt to a sea slug. Oh, God. I know. And it's only going to take one song, one song, and we'll have it big. But, you know, Mahala seems to have heard this kind of talk before. So her and Brian try to talk to him, but he keeps like changing the subject and not take anything seriously. Like, you know, he's like, they say you don't take our advice. And he was like, like when? They're like, like the time you jumped off a bridge onto a train, (laughs) which was for a music video. But he was like, but yeah, I should have used a stunt man. My foot still hurts. (laughs) So, they were like, we told you. We told you not to do it. Yeah. So Brian is worried that once Miona moves in, there will be three strong personalities in one household. And presumably, I think Brian is saying he's the one that's not the strong personality. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and that it could be pretty explosive. So Jabri is also worried that Miona, you know, similar to what we had with Emily, has only known him on vacation. So now how are things going to be when the honeymoon's over? So next up, Jabri is trying to earn his keep by doing some chores and mowing the lawn shirtless, but that doesn't go over too well because he can't figure out how to start the lawnmower. So while he waits for his dad to get back to him about how to do that, he video chats Miona, who is dressed like a sexy zebra, while shopping. He says that neither of them are really good with money, or they're good with making money, just not with spending money, which means that uh, she won't be able to have that Kardashian lifestyle she's looking for. So he asks if she's excited for South Dakota, and she's like, no, New York, L.A.? Let's go there instead. But Jabri tries to tell her that the longer they stay in South Dakota and maybe even have the wedding there, that the better off they'll be when they do go to the coasts. So he hasn't – they haven't really talked about finances, so he doesn't know how much money she'll be bringing. But his compromise, as he puts it, is to live in South Dakota for six to 12 months, have their wedding there. But she's really set on a beach wedding which means that in 90 days, we better be somewhere with a beach. So he keeps at it though and is like, do you love me enough to live in South Dakota for 12 months? And it seems like her position that is like, if we have to be someplace that's not glamorous, I could just be in Serbia. Like, let's just do that. (laughs) For the same, well, and it seems like for that time, to be fair, it's not like I'm never going to come. It was like, well, if we're going to be 12 months, why don't you just come in 12 months when you're not in South Dakota anymore? So anyway, later on, Jabri is struggling to put together a mobile clothes rack for what he's sure is the intense amount of clothing that she'll be bringing. And Mahala comes in to talk some more things related to the clothes that are going to be going on the rack because the clothes she wears in her Instagram pictures aren't going to do it for Mahala. She wants Jabri to talk to Miona about the way she dresses on Instagram and how it's way too revealing. And she's uncomfortable with that, with someone trying to get sexual attention with her clothes all the time. So she considers it disrespectful to her house and this is confusing to Jabri because he thought his mom was a feminist and like she used to go to like nude beaches and stuff. So I don't know what's (laughs) going on. So his theory is that the whole thing is a test to see like if he'll stand up to Miona, if Miona will follow the rules that she doesn't want to follow, blah, 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 more testing. Anyway, it's also came up because Miona called called him stupid one time. And he's just like, that's just how that's just how Balkan people talk. They're very straightforward. They say th- <laughs> which yeah, I know it's not in the Balkans, but I we've seen people from like this part of Europe before. And they are pretty uh straightforward. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so anyway, um it doesn't really comfort Mahala, who doesn't want to be called stupid in her own house. All right, so I mean, how long is is Miona going to be able to stay in South Dakota? Oh, I don't know. If it's anything based on the persona we have seen from her Instagram pictures and social media, I don't know if very long. uh, But I don't know. She even said that she wasn't – she didn't want to do that. So we'll see because, I mean, she kind of to me reminds me a little bit of Yara – Yara also said the same thing. Like, she yeah. did not want to be in New Orleans. But yet, there they were. Yep. That's true. That's true. I don't know. But I, I feel, hmm, I guess the tricky part is I don't know if Miona, maybe it is maybe it is a, a you know cultural thing. Had, we didn't really see her express very much interest in him as much as she was like, where are we going to be? What are we doing? I want to be at a beach. What are, you, right. what are you talking about? That is true. She did not come off as the most affectionate person. Um, 
this will all be kind of interesting. I can be I can see her kind of being an Anfisa type. Sure. At the same time, luckily, Jabri is not any of these other poor saps who feel like they can't get any other woman and like is just going to do whatever they want because they're so afraid of being alone. So it should be interesting to see how he does react. But I think also what's telling is, you know, the conversation he had with his mom about how she said, I didn't like how she called you stupid. And then he would just kind of was like, eh. I guess that's how it's going to be. Whatever. I mean, the one that made me think of it, I I, I immediately, when she said that, and he was like, it's just the way they say it in the Balkans, which isn't Balkans, but is is Andre. Like, Andre calls everybody stupid. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to be a bit of a pushover, is my sense, uh, when Miona gets there. So we'll see. If she threatens to leave... I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's an interesting question. Do you think he would put up with her making demands on the relationship? Yeah, I don't know what he would put up with because I couldn't get a sense of what he stands for at all because he kind of annoyed the hell out of me in that conversation with his parents in the same oh, way they yeah. were being they were annoyed the hell out of because oh, he was yeah. just like you're like, dude, we're having a serious conversation with you. What are you doing? Yeah, and he was just like, oh fine like it's it'll work out it's like but how oh it just will work out it's like but how it's like i'm a hustler and i was like you're living with your parents like let's like let's let, can we please deal with the realities as they are here like right. and i mean at least he was he did say you know oh i don't like doing chores man this chores suck but at least he was like but i do have to earn my keep at least he did understand like that part of it Right. I actually, I know you were annoyed with him. I actually kind of like the guy, not in a way like that's like, oh, I would want this person to be my partner. But like, this is who I would want around to be like my party friend and not worry about screwing me over or, you know, just like uh, being that terrible friend that you go out with. Right. Yeah. I mean, OK, so it, it he it would be fun. a good guy to call up. When you were going out, yes, like yes, he's he's not gonna stiff you on your drinks and right. leave you on the bar. He, you'll be he'll yes. be fine. But if I was doing anything else, I would be like, dude, no. Like, could you imagine trying to call this guy to help you move? Like, you'd be like, stop playing with everything. We're get out of the way, Jabri. <laughs> like, so a like, very specific okay. context, he'd be fun to have around. But like other yeah. contexts where anything useful needed to be done, it would be like, just go away. <laughs> Stop. Oh, I did want to point out something that I thought was hilarious is his title card. Every single time they had a title card, they had him in some ridiculous cowboy hat yes. with some other outfit that was somehow like Western themed. Like he had like that poncho on on one of the things. <laughs> he had some like crazy like striped suit. I don't know on another one, but they had him in different outfits, which I was just like, what is happening right here? I think I don't he know. insisted. He's like, hey, let's have a photo shoot. Well, I'm I'm sure he was. I'm gonna wear, I'm gonna if I'm gonna wear this, I'm gonna wear my, my outfit. Cause that that and that's that's kind of what bothers me about him is his whole persona seems so put on. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna wear the craziest outfit because that's me. I'm the guy who wears crazy outfits. I'm colorful. Yeah, I'm a colorful guy with the crazy hair and the tattoos, the tattoo of Nikola Tesla on my leg for some reason. Like I don't and, yeah, and they, there were Some a lot of, of his people. tattoos were very. There weird. were a lot of people on his tattoos, and I don't know that they were. I don't. Some of them were famous people. It was, it was confusing. Yeah, all I noticed was his wolf on his the wolf, neck. The wolf yin yang. Because yeah. when I associate yeah Eastern philosophical traditions, I think wolves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's move on to our last couple that we met. Uh, We first meet Kara, 29 years old, from Charlottesville, Virginia, while she's blowing up a lot of balloons because she makes balloon garlands and arches. She tells us that it's fun but can be stressful as we see clips of her struggling to transport the balloons as they're popping and just not cooperating. Kara shows us a glimpse of her kind of free life including her as she like just rattled off 10 failed careers and her traveling around the world partying as she says she says she's the epitome of a party girl she tells us that two years ago she was in the dominican republic where she met a tequila time guy guillermo who is 23 who's originally from venezuela but has been living in the dominican the last four years 
She ended up moving down to the Dominican Republic through her work, and Guillermo basically started living with her. After eight months of her living there, and they adopted a dog together, Chiqui, Guillermo proposed. Kara's job fell through, so she had to move back to the U.S., so she applied for the K-1 visa, so that way she could go home and start a different career, as our long list of things, as a real estate agent. Notice... Not Balloon Garland, lady. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their visa has finally gone through and Guillermo is almost ready to come to the U.S., but they're all nervous because it ends up that Guillermo's passport has expired. Kara's a little worried that when left to his own devices, uh, paperwork and other logistic things just won't get done. So she's heading to the DR to escort him back. Guillermo tells us about times in Venezuela where things got really expensive, like food and education, where his family just couldn't afford either. He was then involved in protests, but then saw how dangerous that really was, so he ended up following his brothers to Punta Cana. Uh, He tells us that he used to work in a restaurant when he met Kara. Guillermo was invited to kiss Kara. She's like, oh, do you want to kiss me now? And he didn't want to lose that opportunity, even though he wasn't really looking for a relationship. Guillermo goes to pick up flowers on his way to the airport where Kara is meeting him in the Dominican. He hasn't seen her in over a year, and he's feeling very nervous, like, will she still be in love with him? They kiss each other when they see each other as Kara cries happy tears. She then can't stop jumping up and down because, as she says, she's so happy. Guillermo tells us that he's nervous about going to the U.S. because having an expired passport he sees as worse than smuggling drugs. All right, so it ends up that, you know, the reason why he's not as concerned about traveling on an expired passport is just because they have an agreement with Venezuela because their passports are so backed up. Yeah, uh, because but- their government collapsed and they stopped renewing passports. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So there's an agreement. So it seems like it should be okay. Do you think Guillermo is going to make it? Yeah, I think he will. Like, I, 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 part of the reason for that is yes, I, it said expired pass, but it's not like he was expired because he's lazy. It's expired because the country is literally not renewing passports and he has a passport and there is an agreement. And if he wasn't going to get here, she wouldn't be in the DR already on this first episode. (laughs) Right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. We we'd be struggling with a lot of video calls and set up and set up and set up before before she got there. And um, like so, yeah, I think he's gonna make it here. Um, I don't. I mean, I do definitely appreciate her. Um, you know, I was back up. I think she might be one of the people that they kind of give a nice edit to at the beginning, and she just turns into a total monster as it oh. goes on. Right. Interesting. Um, Because I thought they kind of painted her as very irresponsible. And I mean, not as irresponsible as our parents over here who like have become parents like within a month of knowing each other, Emily and Kobe. But they definitely try to paint her to be like this party girl who just like, whatever, I try to be a singer. I try to be a photographer. I try to like, you know, be an actress. I try to do this like like 10 bazillion jobs. They just like it's true. Rattle down the list. So I definitely think that they're trying to paint her out to be as kind of this like does not have her shit together, you know, just as like, whatever, I'm going to travel. But I do have to say that I appreciate this couple probably the most because you could tell that there was genuine like care and affection with one another, like the way they talked about each other, the mm-hmm. way Guillermo actually was thoughtful and bought flowers. We know this is like historically some ridiculous thing that people tend to forget. Um, and then also the thing on top of it is that they both have at least some fluency in the other person's well, native I was gonna language. Say, I was going to say she, she speaks Spanish. Like, yes. yes. Uh-huh. I just I, – I, I don't know what they're trying to – her – I think they just tried to paint somebody who would go either way. She could be a really sweet person, but I also think – I just got the impression, you know, it was hard to fight with where they're doing it, that she is somebody who is very full of themselves. Mm-hmm. And she seems to think based on her social media, based on the way she was talking to us, based on the way that she was doing it, I think she feels like she's like three times hotter than she really is. Yeah. <laughs> I do think she's really cute. Oh, she is. And she absolutely is cute. Absolutely. But I just feel like she thinks she's like, you know, a 12 and a half. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I do think, uh, you know, she's part of the reason why I got the impression, you know, that this seems like an influencer group. Yes, that definitely. That really on this show to be influencing. But at the same time, because that just seems like her jam. Like, I mean, look at all the failed careers. They are all things that are very in line with influencing. Right. Yeah. Even her balloon thing to me is like a little influency, you know, because it's like, well, why do people make balloon arches, you know, to post them on social media? Yeah. I mean, so is the and real estate is, too. Like, yeah. she, do you think she doesn't want to put a bunch of how the, all, the, all the amazing houses she's selling and, and going to sell on, on here for Instagram? But I guess because Charlottesville is um an interesting market. <laughs> like It is. Um, cause it's a college town and it has all these weird ordinances. It's a tough place to break into because it's not that big. And most of the people who live there spend most of the political capital they have trying to keep other people from moving there. <laughs> like, it, there's a huge housing shortage in Charlottesville oh, because like they just will – like everybody who owns the houses comes to the town council meetings and will not let anybody build a new house. It's kind of like San Francisco on a smaller scale. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. So, yeah, it'll be interesting also to see, like, what her deal is in Charlottesville. I mean, usually we get some kind of sense of, you know, like, Kara, like, who is she living with? Like, where is her family? You know, because usually families are introduced pretty early, but we had her scooted off to, like, the Dominican in episode one. So Right. And I I definitely got the impression that she's currently in Seville. I don't know, but she's from there. Or mm-hmm. has any real connection to it as much as it's kind of a, you know, trendy place to move to uh, yeah. out here on the East Coast. So, and if you are influencer, trendy places to go to that are, you know, there, there you go. Yeah. Um, but I know it, he just seemed a lot more, he didn't, it seemed like, didn't seem like he had that same kind of influencer vibe though, as no, much as he was, you know, didn't. tequila time. Yeah. No, he seemed very sweet, um, genuine. Uh, and I don't really think that he might have thought like, oh, I'm going to marry an American, right? Because it's not even like she seemed all that tied to America in the first place. Right. right. She was oh, yeah. willing to move and live in the Dominican. So I don't think it's necessarily his first thought, at least. But maybe it's on the list of benefits. Like, well, if in the future I want to move to America, this could be an option. Sure. Yeah. Because he seems pretty happy enough with his uh, life in the Dominican. Oh, I mean, sure. It seemed like it was a major upgrade based on the conditions at least. Yeah. Yeah. Things were bad in Venezuela. Really yeah. bad. Yeah. That's interesting because I think there was an, a love in paradise where it was something very similar to this storyline where I think she was in Costa Rica and she met a Venezuelan in Costa mm. Rica. And so she's yeah. trying to bring him. Well, over. they just had like they just had that crazy runaway inflation where like you know mm-hmm. you better better cash your paycheck today because it's going to be worth less tomorrow kind of like stuff like it mm-hmm. really really bad. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. All right, uh, so we definitely have not seen all of our couples. I know we haven't seen Ari and Binyam. We saw them in a preview for this season. I think I also saw maybe two other couples. Yeah, I want to say two other couples. I couldn't. Yeah. I don't know if I could tell two of them. I think we have two similar looking dudes that yeah. I couldn't tell apart at the beginning. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I might have also not been paying close enough attention. <laughs> All right. Um, so out of the group that we saw this week, who was your student of the week? I, I went with Guillermo. Mm-hmm. Like he just seemed, you know, down to earth. And, you know, he actually like took a stand and he was like protesting in the streets and like, yeah. you know, trying to better his life and yeah. doing things. Um, and then he just seemed a, like a really genuine dude, like in the show. So he did. I d- I do really like him. He's definitely one of my front runner favorites. But I actually gave student the week this week to Kobe, and specifically because I appreciated his reaction about the pregnancy. Right, because mm. that is always one of those things where. Uh, the reaction, the initial reaction could really go any way. And you know that your partner is always going to remember your initial reaction. So I think being super enthusiastic and ecstatic, even if that's not the direction you want to go in, (laughs) is still the best, you know, call for like that situation. So sure. I get that. Yeah, I get that. I mean, it's better to err that way. And have her be like, well, actually, 
Like, I just, I'm, right. I'm not excited about this. Right. Instead of, <laughs> well, shit, what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a bad reaction. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, how about your dunce? Uh, I want Jabri. I did like, too. Just, just for getting his, it just, it was just t- total teenager vibes. Like he yes. definitely moved back home and was just like, ugh. Jeez, mom. Uh, like, yeah. How like, are you gonna make man. money? Well, just gotta make that one hit song. It's just like, oh my gosh, can we please get like a more solid plan? And I'm not saying that he can't get money off of that song. I, although I know you, Mister O, are saying he cannot get money off of a song. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's like let's get like something that's maybe a little bit more stable, reliable source of income. Yeah, let's have a let's have a cash flow while we're waiting for that song to hit let's go for that yeah yeah okay uh, what about your life lesson (sighs) don't play weird surprise game tests things with anybody yeah like this is this is not because it was it obviously Bilal was the one who did it first but like even Jabri thought his mom was doing it oh she's just saying this and this is really a test to see how I'll react don't know don't do that yeah, uh, I said the same thing. So don't test people. You might not like the outcome and they might not appreciate getting tested when they find out. Yeah. Like, yeah. So say it, if it goes well, then you say, well, that was a test. Then they're yeah. pissed because they're like, you were testing me. Why did, right. you, why did you not trust me? Yeah, because all, exactly. it's, all it does is all it does is break trust. Right. Yeah. It tells it says to them that you didn't trust them. And it tells also tells them that you shouldn't trust me because I might not mean what I'm saying. I'm just, it's, it could be a test. Who I knows? Know, right? Yeah. Like a future test. You're like, no. Yeah. And you're like, no, really? No. Okay. Well, how do you know anymore? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I We have a friend, I mean, kind of a mutual friend, more my friend that I've known a lot longer that is kind of like that sometimes. It drives me absolutely insane when I try to make solid plans with him. And it's like he just jokes around all the time that it's just like, no, please just be serious. But it's kind of like the same thing. Like, the yes, I really need wolf. to know, are you going to be at this place at this time? Right. And, and then I just like, never know because it's <laughs> like, I think I know, but I don't really know because he's always like joking. It's kind of the same thing with always being tested you don't know if they're being for real or if like this is just another test yeah yeah i, I just don't i just don't like deception I, I can't, it's too unstable for me yeah it's not it. funny either like yeah. this whole prankster or even my friend who's like always joking about it's not funny it's frustrating <laughs> right and the, well that's the thing is they get they think it's funny that you're frustrated they think it's funny yeah yes no he thinks it's hilarious that's why he always does it and i'm just like oh i'm just so annoyed right now just give me a straight answer that's the part that's funny i don't get it <laughs> yeah i'm it. sure i'm sure all right okay so we will be back next week with this group and yep. uh yeah we'll see y'all then i'll see everybody then all right, all right. bye, bye.